<laughs> hey, happy Father's Day out there. Let's get all the dads a great big hand today. So, so happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Happy, happy, happy Father's Day. And listen, on your uh, seats this morning, there's a uh, How Dad Are You? How Dad Are You quiz. So you need to, dads, this is something that you can, you can do all day long. You can make sure, see how dad are you. There's a lot of great things here. Um, you know, um, I'm just resting my eyes after falling asleep on the couch. How many of y'all... Come on, yeah, there we go. And, uh, and, and I, I guess it's free then when a cashier has trouble scanning an item. How many of y'all dads out there? Come on, come on. There's a whole bunch of them here. So you can take that with you when you leave today. I mean, take a couple. Maybe you wanna hand them out to a dad or somebody you know today. And listen, this is my first Father's Day as a grandfather. So I, I'm looking for the grandfather one. How granddad are you? I'm looking for that one. I'm just looking forward to even taking awkward to a whole new level. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm looking forward. I just, I'm so excited to take that to a whole new level, and I'm excited about that. So here we are on Father's Day. Now, now listen, I don't know about you dads out there. Um, I, I remember it was just uh, 10 months and a couple weeks after Natalie and I got married. We were planning on waiting about five years before we had kids. We had a lot of plans and uh, I know that God had other plans. <laughs> Come on. And, and, uh, and uh, about 10 months and a couple weeks after that, we had our, our first child. And I was just trying to get used to, I, I was responsible for Natalie, and now I was responsible for somebody else. I was just trying to get like, oh, oh God, help me. And uh, I think I speak on behalf of all the men. If you don't have an, oh, God, help me moment, I don't know if you're doing it right. Come on. And uh, and, uh, oh, Jesus, help me. And so I remember uh, I was excited, but I was also scared. I mean, here was this beautiful, we, we, our little girl, Nicole, came into the world, and I was really, really excited, but I was also scared. Because I, because I looked, and, and the hospital didn't give us any directions, okay? It didn't give us directions. And, but, but God gave some direction and, and some help. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I was excited, and all these emotions went through my heart. And so I did what any dad would do. After all of our children were born, I had this little ritual. I would go to King's Restaurant. Some of you may be familiar with it. I would go to King's Restaurant right after. As a matter of fact, in the middle of the night, they used to be open all night long. So I went in the middle of the night, and I got myself a King Kong burger. Onion rings and a chocolate shake. Come on, that's how I celebrated every time. I would celebrate that moment every time. And so after every, after every child, that was my ritual. Matter of fact, we had, a, we had to stop having kids because it became a health hazard to me. <laughs> and, uh, but that's how I celebrated. And, and there's, there's this moment, and, and so like we, we know it's supposed to be joyful, but unfortunately on Father's Day and Mother's Day, it's meant with some tension because we know what we're supposed to be and we know who we are. Am I speaking to the right crowd? And somewhere in the middle is a good tension that we can live. And somewhere in the middle, we need to, we need to wrestle with this. And we need to wrestle with who we are in Christ. And, and I want to help not only dads out there. I want to help all men in the house today. Whether you have kids or not, I want to help you. And, and so here's the question. Where do we get the confidence and where do we get the competence to be the man of God that God's created us to be? Where do we get it? How do we get it? How do we live this thing called a godly man? That's the question 
that I want to answer for you today. And here we are. I'm going to start off in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, here we go. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I never thought I would live to see the day where I would need to emphasize that. I'm being honest. I never thought I would see the day where we have to be really clear that God created male and female. And I just want to make it really clear, you do not need to have a master's degree or doctorate in biology to know the difference. Now, I'm not being sarcastic. I just want to say some things here. Because we live in a confused world. We live in a world that's very confused. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just stating the obvious. But in the church, there is a clear standard, and in the church, there's a clear way that, that God has created for us. Now, not only did he create male and female. If you notice today during child dedication that I addressed Marla and Adam separately with some specific things, to, specific things with a mom and a dad, because I believe in, 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 in the ideal world and it, it, when a mom and a dad are intact and serving God and honoring him, that there's, there's a certain aspect of the Godhead that they both bring, not only the man. Now, in verse 31, just a few verses later here, this is what it communicates here. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. I want us to, listen, I want us to, as men today, and, 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 and we live in a culture that, that as a man, I feel like I constantly almost have to apologize for being a man. No, I'm being honest. Now, I want to let you know that in God's church, we should be unapologetically men. Amen. Amen. No, I, I mean that with all my heart. Now, we need to have a definition of what is a man of God. And I'm going to give you one in just a second. But, but when God looked at you, oh, men in this church, God didn't look at you when he created you and say, oh, that's kind of the best I could do. <laughs> he didn't look at you and say, oh, almost. Let's try again. No, I'm serious. See, men, see, I want to speak to the men here right now. And, and it's easy to feel your shortcomings, am I right? It's easy to feel like you don't have enough time, not enough money, not enough talent. Am I speaking to men today, or am I the only one? It's easy to feel that. But when God created you as a man, he says, this is very good. Now, ladies, he said that about you, today, but the day ain't Mother's Day. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I want you to drink that in. I want you, I want you to, to feel that, when, that God approves of you. Now, do we have work to do? As long as I have breath, I got work to do. But he made you. He made you a man, and he made you to be God's man in his image. So let's just take a moment here, and let me give you a definition of a man here. A man is an image bearer, bearing the image of God. Am I right? And a son of God, entrusted with power and responsibility 
to represent God in his world for God's glory and the good of others. How many of y'all think that's a good definition? I'm not saying it's the, it's the perfect one, but I think it's a really good one. See, I'm an image bearer of God. That's what I am. I'm a son of God. That's the highest thing I could ever be. And then I am called with power and responsibility to demonstrate God's glory in my world and to everyone around me, not only my family, but to everybody here. That's what a man of God is. We have four pillars of a man in our church. These are the four pillars of a man. What is a man? This is how I know a godly man, besides what I just read to you. A godly man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, acts courageously, expects the greater reward. That, to me, defines a man. This is what we urge all men at Bridge City Church. This is what's going to define us. We're not going to be defined by what level of video game we are on. In Jesus' name. We're not going to be defined by who has the best job or the most stuff or the most toys. We are going to be defined by what God has communicated about us. And we are going to urge and encourage one another. We're going to sharpen one another to get there. That's what kind of church I want to be a part of. Now, do I have feelings of insecurity and inadequacy? Absolutely. I'm no different than you. As a matter of fact, let me just share something with you. Very rarely does a day go by in my life that in some way, shape, or form, I don't feel like a failure in some way. I feel the tension in my life between what God has asked me to do and how I really am at times. Do I fight? with pride and insecurity in my life? Absolutely. But I can't say over the last four decades of serving Jesus Christ and walking alongside of other men that it's a lot less than it used to be. Is there still a struggle in my life? Absolutely. But you can win. You can do this. Do I go in between extremes in my life? between being quiet and at times apathetic and at times of anger and speaking out when I shouldn't? Yes, I do. But I have still been being created in God's image to bear his image as a child of God, given power and responsibility to demonstrate God's glory in my world and to those around me. That is the call and the ask of God on my life. And that's the call and ask of God of all the men in this church. And that's what we will do. And that is the standard that we have. And we will continue to uphold. And we will walk together to do that all the days of our lives. Jesus had a plan to follow. He had a plan. He had a woman to love. He had the church. He's the bridegroom. The bride is the church. And he had a purpose that he was willing to give his life for. I want you to drink that in as a man right now. If we want to be like Jesus, we need a plan to follow. Not a perfect one, but we need, we need a textbook to follow. 
And then we need a woman to love. And then we need a purpose worth dying for. And that usually comes in the form of children, but doesn't have to. Our children are grown and out of our house right now. But I still have a purpose worth dying for. Not only for them, but I have a purpose in Jesus Christ on my life. And men, you have the purpose of God on your lives. I believe that with all of my being. Now I want to go to a couple verses that I mentioned earlier today. In 1 Kings, not 2 Kings, but 1 Kings. I think I said it wrong earlier today. But here we have King David, and he's, he's in a transition time with his son Solomon here. And if you want to read a more extensive uh, time of this, it would be found in 1 Chronicles 28. If you want to read a little more about this. I'm only going to take three verses, but if you wanted to write that down and dive into that, you could. But here we have King David. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a be a there it is. David knows he's about to die. He knows he's about to leave this earth, and he gives a charge to his son Solomon. Well, this is the first thing I'm asking not only the men in this room, but I'm asking everybody to do, but men, this is uh, specifically to you. I want you to take time this week, and I want you to write down three, maybe five things that you would like to be said at your funeral. No, I'm serious. That may sound a little morbid at first, but I, I want you to write down the three to five things. And this, is good. this works for everybody. Write down what you once said at your funeral. And then live the life that will, that will, so that those things could be said. This is a good test. This is called the funeral test. This is the funeral test. This is, you know, now, now, now we're all going to have one. Unless Jesus comes back and we'll just, just go straight up. And we'll bypass the whole funeral thing. Save a lot of money. Come on. But we're all, David said this is where all someday may go. So write down a couple of things. Write down what you want. Right? Make it real clear. Make it real, real clear. And then live those things so the pastor that does your funeral doesn't have to lie. You good? Are we good? Okay. No, no, I'm serious. Like, just live those things. This is, a good, this is a good test for us all. Am I still living true to what I once said? I wrote my obituary years ago, and I still read it. Every now and then I'll read it just to see if I'm on track. Because I know what I want my life to stand for. This is very, very important. Now, most of the things that I share today, not all, came out of a book that I read, which was a very powerful book, entitled The Intentional Father. Now, I just want to give props in, to, to where it's due. I took some of the principles. I, I, I tweaked some. I added some. I, some of the list I, I changed a little bit because to fit our context. But I just want to give props where they're due. So, so some of you may have read the book or you heard this author, and you're going to say, I know where you got this. <laughs> I beat you to the punch. <laughs> okay. And, and so I, I just want to, and I'm going to refer to a couple other books that have meant a lot to me as a man and as a father here. But, 
But if we want to be an intentional father and we want to be on purpose, I want to share with you five types of fathers, five types of fathers here. The first one is, is an irresponsible father. Zero involvement, bailed out. There's many people in this room right now. You had a dad like this. And my heart breaks for you. It really, really does. I wish I could go back in time and, and make things different for you, but I can't. But I want to let you know that just because you may have grown up that way with an absentee or a uh, totally uninvolved father doesn't mean that you have to live with those scars all the days of your life. The second type is an ignorant father, doesn't know how to be a father, doesn't try to, to learn, but has so much brokenness in their life, they just can't. The third kind is inconsistent. Inconsistent is capable of doing better, but personal ambition with job and career and hobbies and all these other things can squash that out. The next one is involved. Oh, they show up, they speak up, they're there, and, uh, but they don't understand the unique capability of all their children. But the last kind is an intentional father. They don't only show up, they don't only speak up, but they try to uncover their, uh, their children's uniqueness before God and raise them up and train them up to please God. Now, I, I say that, and I, and I realize that many people, there's an array of emotion in the room right now. There's an array of feelings in the room, and I realize that. But what I'm trying to say is, for the men in this room, no matter where you are on this chart, you can get, there's room to improve, and you can improve. You can step up. You can do what God has asked you to do. I know that I know you can. That's what I'm speaking to you. But I also want to identify a few things because we all relate to God, the Father, the same way that we relate to our natural fathers. It's a fact of life. With the, our natural fathers, what, the way we relate, if, it, if they were absentee, we tend to relate to God as absentee. If they were completely inconsistent, well, then God's inconsistent. Are you tracking me? But I want to let you know, you don't have to live that way. I'm pointing this out today to say that every man in here can be an intentional father. Every man in here. Listen, if I can do it, I know that you can do it. Because I'm not perfect at it, but I still got breath, and I can change my tomorrow. How about you? That's I know that I know that I know. And I want to let you know that just because you may have grown up and, 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 and there's father wounds in your heart, God can heal you. God can redeem. God can see through that, and he can restore that in your heart and life. I believe that. Now, there was a time in, 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 in my life where I was really struggling with my own dad. And, and he was very involved in my life. It was always, and, and he was always showed up. And, and, and for those, my dad was a member of this church for years before he went home to be with Jesus. And if those who know my dad knew, he was not afraid to speak up. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he wasn't afraid to challenge me on anything on any given day. And, uh, and, uh, but but I knew that at, at 17 years old, I graduated high school. Uh, we were on the West Coast. We went to California for, for like, a, I think it was like six weeks. We went to California. 
And, 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 and although my dad, I knew he loved me, and, and, and he never really said he loved me, never really communicated that. Um, but, but as I got older, I realized the way he grew up and the potential of destruction that could have happened. And I realized the way he, he trained my brothers and I up. You know what? And I commend him for what he did. Now, at 17 years old, I remember going to, we were driving, we were making a trip up the coast, and we were going from uh, Los Angeles up to San Francisco at the time. And, and I remember this very distinctly. I remember sitting in the back seat crying because I wasn't happy with my dad at that point. And I remember talking to God in the back seat. He was in the front seat driving. My mom was there. And I remember saying, God, I don't want to be like that. And I, was, I, had a, I had a very bitter, bad attitude. But I, I had an encounter with God in that back seat where I literally just start crying. And God just cleansed me. He says, you don't have to live with bitterness and you don't have to live this way anymore. God did a work in my heart in that, that back seat of that rental car. And it took me a couple years to walk that out. I'll be honest with you. But I walked it out. And I learned to love and appreciate my father for who he was. And I realized that as I went into my 20s and I be, became a husband and I became a father, that I didn't have to be ruled by my past. Now, that took a lot of energy and a lot of work. Now, I'm going to share something with you that Natalie and I have practiced in our home with our children. We have five children. They're all in their 20s right now and up. And um, we practiced this, that they could blame us for everything up until they were 21 years old. They could blame us for everything. Matter of fact, a young man walked in here today and it's 20, 21st birthday. I said, you know what that means? That means you don't... <laughs> You can't blame your parents for anything from this day forward. Come on. No, I'm serious. We said, look, you can blame us for everything. You can blame us for, you know, not having the right color curtains and pillowcases and all that stuff. And you can blame us for making you eat your vegetables. You can blame us for everything. But at 21 years old, you got to own it. No, I'm, I'm trying to help you. See, at some point, you got to own it. You got to own you. You got to own it before God. And I remember we were talking to one of our kids that she was just about ready to turn 21. And, and she, she was doing, you know, she was bringing up things. And, and I'm not saying that Natalie and I were perfect. We had a lot of things we had to repent for. We had a lot of letters we had to write. We had a lot of communication we had to do. Am I in the right room right now? I did. But I remember the older one was there. And she was like, uh-huh, yeah, 21's coming. You better get all this out right now. And it's like, mm-hmm, because your, your day's coming. Your 21's coming. You know, no, I'm serious. It works because at some point we have to take it to God and allow God to heal us. Does that encourage you this morning? Come on, that should encourage you. That should speak life to you this morning. Well, let's go on here in First Kings chapter two, verse three. Again, King David communicating: Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all His ways. Keep the decrees, the commands, the regulations and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Oh man, we got to set our, we got to set some young people up for success. And if you're here today and you don't have kids, maybe you're not married. Well, we what we witnessed today was a child dedication which we all said we're all going to do this together. So would you help a family create some success for their kids? That's the question. 
So how can we create some success for our kids? I'm going to give you three things, and I think this is going to help all the moms and dads out there. First of all, what do we want them to know? Listen, you need to make a list. What do you want your kids to know? What do you want them to know about God, about their self, about the opposite sex? What do you want them to know about work? What do you want them to know about these things? No, this will help you. Write down what you want your kids to know. See, so you can have a target that you're going for. Next up, what do you want your kids to be? What do you want your kids to know? What do you want your kids to be? What kind of godly character do you want them to have? What kind of integrity do you want them to have? See, this, is, this creates the plan to follow. Because listen, if you just leave it up to, you know, to the first grade teacher and to the kids in the lunchroom when they get in high school, how many of y'all know that's a recipe for disaster right there? No, I'm serious. we got to be intentional about these things. And then, what kind of skills do you want them to have? Do you want them to be able to, 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 to balance a checkbook or balance their account? Do you want them to be able to change a tire, to be able to check their oil? Do you want them to be able to you know, know that they need to pay taxes? You know, that's a joy right there. No, see, see these things are going to help you. This is setting your kids. So what do you want them to know? What do you want them to be? And then what practical skills do you want them to have? If you'll make a list of these as a parent, as a home, and then every, all the rest of us, when we see parents struggling, we can say, what are you trying to do with your kids? What are you trying to get them to know? What are you trying to get them to be? What are you trying to get them to learn? I want to help with that. See, we can work together to create a whole new generation that fears and knows God if we would help parents. Now, how many of y'all parents out there, would you like some help help doing these things with your kids? Come on, how many parents out there? Anybody, thank you so very much. Yeah, yeah, we could work together at this. Let's make a list. Let's create this list. Let's do it for God here. See, what we need to do is we need, just as King David did, imagine, imagine your kids leaving home. Now, how many of y'all here have had all your kids leave home already? How many of y'all here? Okay. Now, you younger parents, look around. See all these hands that are up. I bet you they could, t- they could teach you a lot. They really could. They could teach you more over dinner than I could from the pulpit right here. They really could. Now, see, you've got to imagine your kids when they leave home. See, I remember when our oldest daughter left home, and, um, and, and, and she was, we, I was driving her and my wife to the airport. She was going to study abroad. It was the first time she was leaving. She was going to leave for four months. And, and I remember having a talk with her, like right before that, we're taking her to the airport, and you know, like I'm just going over everything. It's like we're having, like, we're having, a, we're, we're, I'm cramming. <laughs> I'm crying a lot, but we're cramming, Okay. I'm weeping before God because I know this is it. And then I had to explain to her, she was, going to, she was going to Europe and she was going to tour Europe and do all these things. And then I had to explain to her, she needed to be very careful because I do not have a special set of skills. <laughs> I had to tell her this. I said, baby, I do not have a special set of skills. I am just telling you right now, you got to, we need Jesus to watch over her, okay? I'm just, I'm being honest. This is what I told her. <laughs> and, and, and like, and, and I remember when she left, and, 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 
And it, it was nerve-wracking. And then it was like we jumped off the deep end every time. Then we had a, a young, one of our daughter at 18, she went to Africa for six months where we couldn't communicate to her, didn't even know where she was. There was people getting kidnapped where she was going on missions and stuff. And, and it takes faith. And then another was going off to um, the, the, the Air Force training. Another going to the Buffalo Dream Center to do an internship and do missions. Another one gets a couple hundred dollars in his pocket and moves to California with no plan. <laughs> this takes faith. <laughs> but I want you to imagine your kids leaving. See, if you can imagine them leaving... And you can get that no and that be and that practical skills, and it will help you prepare for that moment. Now, emotionally, there's nothing I can say that will prepare you for that moment. I'm, I'm just telling you. Okay? You know, my daughters, when they left, I cried. When my sons left, I said, it's about time. <laughs> it's a difference between a, a boy and a girl. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, what are you doing here? The girl's like, my door's always open. The son's, go find a place. <laughs> That's the joy of the difference. Now, mom would have a lot different, she would have a lot different things to say about that. And that's why we, we balance that tension, come on. See, I'm trying to help the parents out there have some practical things right now. And we can work together to do this. But you got to imagine that. This is it. See, manhood is the defeat of childhood narcissism. So here's the million-dollar question. Here's a million-dollar question for all the men out there. Here's, here, 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 I'm, oh, man, I'm going to give it to you, and it's going to be so good. <laughs> we got to ask ourselves as men, do we want to be a good man? Or do we want to be good at being a man? Most men go through their lives to be a good man. I want to be faithful. I want to be nice. I, oh, they, when people say, oh, yeah, he helped me out when I had a need. Gave me a few bucks. Oh, he helped me do this. He, he, was, a good, he was a good man. He was so nice. He was so proper. He, he raised his kids well. Then I mean, that's good. I mean, that's a lot better than the other adjectives we can think of. But men, 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 we need to work at being good at being a man. An image bearer. A child of God, given the power and responsibility to demonstrate God's glory to, to, for, to God's glory and for the good of others. That's what I want to be good at. And that's what I know you can be good at too. We together can do this. I know that I know that I know we can here. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? We need, we need help. We need discipleship. We need to develop. We need competence. See, competence leads to confidence, and confidence leads to courage. Courage to step into the chaos of our world. I was so happy to be with a group of men gathered right here, right, right up here. They were in a big circle on Thursday morning. And, and 
all the men of this campus that got together a couple weeks ago, 44 guys, were invited to come and be a part of a, 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 a small band of brothers. They depend on, on each other, and their world is depending on them. Do you guys realize the world's dependent on us right now? Do you realize God's dependent on us to get this right? And men out there, if you're looking for a, for, for, for a way that you can develop and you're looking for a way that you can be challenged and, and it, with a group of men, I want you to come out at 5 a.m. on Thursday. 5 a.m., it's open to anybody. Now, you're welcome to drink coffee, but you don't have to. No, I'm serious. I'm, welcome, I'm welcoming you. What, what, what is it? It's just, it's not the way to do it. It's a way to develop, to grow, to work together, to create a brotherhood together so that we can be good. Come on, I want to be good at being a man. And I want to do it unapologetically. I want to be intentional because right now we live in a culture, in a world that's being very intentional at redefining everything. And as a man of God, I know the world is telling me to be silent. The world is telling us to be quiet and go in the doors of the church. And as long as you stay there, it's fine. But we cannot be silent. I have people tell me all the time, you as a man have no right to speak on the pro-life issue because you're a man and you don't understand I have people tell me this. You're a man. You can't, you, you don't have a uterus. I have people tell me this. Well, thank you for knowing that. Thank you. I appreciate that. In the day and age we live, you got to define. No, I'm serious. But wait a minute. As a man, when did it become that I'm not allowed to speak about murdering babies? No, listen to Leah. See, we're, we're taught in our culture and our world that as a man, you can't speak to things. You can't talk to certain things because you're a man. When did that become? Oh, no, and then when is it okay for me to speak like this? Is it okay if we're just, if we're murdering innocent senior citizens? Is that when I'm supposed to speak? Is it okay if we're just murdering certain parts, uh, certain se sex of the community and culture? Is then, is it okay for me to speak? See, we're, we're told not to do things. And if we're not careful, the world will define us and will define what a Christian godly man is. And I'm here to tell you that there's a standard that we can upkeep together as godly men. But it's going to take work and it's going to take effort because our culture is redefining everything. Now, let me make it very, very clear. We do not hate people. We love people. We love all people. I want to make that crystal clear right now. We love people because every man and woman, have, woman has been made in the image of God. So we love people. But there are some agendas that I believe are so anti-biblical and anti-God, I can't help but hate them. And I'm saying that in the purest sense. And I believe that's okay, but I, can, I have to separate 
people from an agenda. But as men, we must learn that we cannot be silent in apathy, that we can speak up. We can help one another. We can help this world in which we live. Am I right or wrong? And I believe we live in a day where our world is waiting for us. That at Bridge City Church, we are going to be unapologetically pro-man. So what confidence are we lacking? See, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. How many of y'all can feel the struggle? Now, how many of y'all like, like just, you just like it like it is? You like, you just like two by four therapy. Anybody like just like it straight? Anybody, out men out there, do you like it? Do you just want it? You want it straight? You want, you know what I mean? You want it? Okay, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you five rules for manhood. I really like these here. Five rules of manhood. Here it is. Here it is. Life is hard. <laughs> I love when you get together with real men. Ah, oh, you know, I don't know about this. Oh, geez, about this. Yeah, life is hard. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. How about this one? You are not important. <laughs> don't you feel so edified? You're not important. Your life is not about you. You're not in control. And I love this last one. You're going to die. <laughs> this is how men speak to one another. How many of y'all guys like that? How many of y'all guys like Those are good rules right there. Matter of fact, when the guys meet here on Thursdays in every connection group, when they start back up in the fall, maybe we should post these rules. If y'all want to get a tattoo, go have at it. I'm not going to, but you can. Okay. Um, but yeah, life is hard. Do you know why I'm so passionate about this? Can I just share my heart and, and these rules? And can I just share? Marriages and families are in desperate need right now. In the church, at Bridge City Church, I'm watching it. I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing it in our culture. I'm seeing it in churches. I'm seeing it here, that we are in desperate need of some, 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 some real change, some, some real, like, we, we got to go back to a standard, and we, and we got to go back to helping one another, and we got to go back to relating together in such a way that raises and trains up real men, real men who love God and honor him, and will lay their lives down for their family. And will help one another do that. Isn't that the kind of church you want to go to? Now, ladies, isn't that the kind of church you want to go to as well? Yeah. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. Did that sound chauvinistic? See, ladies that tell me, well, that sounds like you're holding women back. I'm like, you don't understand. He has to die. You get to live. No, I'm serious. Am I right? So these are rules. So, so, so I'm just going to give you something real quick, real, real, real quick here. I'm going to give you, I'm going to say this in a little softer way. Okay, a little softer way. But those are rules. So let's go to, the, let's go to this real, real quick here. Real quick. Let's go to this here. Um, seismic shifts here. Um, Easy to difficult. 
See, as a, as a, as a boy becomes a man, he got to go from easy, now it's difficult. I spoke to somebody recently, a, a young man, and, 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 and was, was having a little crisis going on, broke my heart, and um, broke both of our hearts, and, uh, and he was just saying, it's just so hard. And I said, it's supposed to be hard. So if it was easy, everybody would do it. But you're the man of God, and God called you to do it, and I believe you can do it. It's a shift from easy to difficult. Boys care about themselves. Men care about others. Here's a nicer way to say it. You're part of the story, but you're not the whole story. It's a shift from control to bringing order. God has not called me to control my life. He's called me to bring order to my life. It's a shift from the temporary to the eternal. The nicest way I can say that. Every man needs a father to follow and a brother to share secrets with. Now, the men who gathered here a couple weeks ago, I had to find this. I'm not going to go into a deep definition of this. Um, I get a little bit of pushback on men don't share secrets with one another. That sounds effeminate. I get that. And I understand, like, but let me just put it this way. You're only as sick as your secrets. When you confess it and it's no longer a secret, you're not sick anymore. Now we can deal with it. Is that a better way to say it? And um, I have a whole bunch of books. They're going to list up here that have really impacted my life. And uh, you can take a picture of them. If you're not a book reader, um, you can do one of two things. One is you can become a book reader. Or two, you can be a book listen to her. And you can do audio. I don't care which one. Just do it. I graduated high school with an eighth grade education. I graduated high school. I could only read an eighth grade level. And I taught myself how to read. If I can do it, you can do it. So there's a whole bunch of books there. Okay, here it is. Last scripture. Last scripture for you. Proverbs 27. 17. is iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. We need other men in our life. As a matter of fact, if sparks ain't flying, you're probably not getting sharpened. You just need somebody to relate to. This goes for women too. I'm just speaking to the men today. We need other people in our lives to help us be competent and confident so that we can have courage to step into our world. So one... Do the funeral test. Make three things you're gonna, you want set at your funeral. Number two, fill out those things. Know, be, practical skills for your kids. And number three, sit down with somebody in the next seven days and have a real conversation with them 
in a real way about how you're really doing. And the men who were with me a couple weeks ago, you have all the questions right in front of you to ask. If you need one, let me know. Would you stand to your feet with me today? How many of y'all heard God today? How many of y'all are encouraged today? Okay, men, I just want to speak to all the men right now. Right now, all the men, look at me right now. All the men, ladies, you can look too, but I want all the men to look, okay? Ladies, look on. First of all, guys, I want to tell you what I always tell all the men. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone, guys. Second, it can be done. Hey, guys, it can be done. Number three, I believe in you. I believe in each and every man in this room that you have more than what it takes to bear the image of God, be a son of God, and bear the power and responsibility to demonstrate his glory to God and for others. Heavenly Father, I pray over every man in this room right now. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to, to God, to do a work in every man. I ask you, God, to do a work in every family. I ask you, God, Lord God, to, to be with us even this day as we honor men and as we become the men that God's created us to be. God, I ask you, Father, that at Bridge City Church, that the men of this church really would be the band of brothers that you are so happy to put your name on. In the name of Jesus, amen.